What's up, Spell Slingers? My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flitton. And I'm Corey Janabagi. And this is Untap Upkeep Drink. Beer up. Hello, everyone. We're back with another episode on Pioneer. Today, we're going to be diving deep into it, talking about some meta formats and all that kind of if stuff. If you've committed like we have, this is the episode for you. We're not really going to talk about what's good, what's bad. We're in it. Yeah, we're just going to be talking about decks in the most generalized sense. We're going to talk about very few cards, and if we are, we're not really going to go deep dive into what the cards do. It's more just like, these are the decks that we see being popular or being prominent and kind of why those are going to be popular or prominent. Yeah, like a lot of you have already seen, a lot of these new Pioneer decks are just old standard decks that have been revamped and reinvigorated with new cards from other sets. Which is basically exactly what we talked about on the last episode. Yeah, it's just super standard. So real quick, we're going to be talking about the meta, uh, where we're at in Pioneer. We're going to talk about some specific predicted decks that we're going to get from standard, kind of what we think is actually going to be built. Um, we're going to talk about some sleeper decks, see if there's anything special that might come out that we maybe uh, didn't see popular in their standard rotations. And a little bit of what we kind of hope. Yeah, most of them are wishes more than they are <laughs> uh, predictions, but there's some there's some goodies in there. And then we're going to wrap it up with just what's going to happen as we move forward with Pioneer. Yeah. But first, let's get into what we really care about, the beers. Damn beers. So first one on the list here, uh, we've got the Bat Scratch from Rogue Ales. The Bat Scratch is 6.7% ABV and has IBUs counted at 54. Ooh. So what I love about this can is that on the back here, we've got this star of all of the things oh, yeah. that you want out of an IPA. You've got you know, your tropical flavor, citrus, pine, bitterness, and malts. And they kind of list on here, it's high in the tropical flavors, high in the citrus, and a little bit in the pine, a little bit in the bitter, and just a touch of the malts. I think that's my favorite thing about all of the rogue cans of bottles, they have that star sort yeah. of graph just outlining kind of, you know kind of the flavor profile. Yeah. yeah. So straight off the nose, it's very tropical, very fruity, a little bit of citrus. Yep, it's a hazy IPA, and it says dedicated to the legend. And it really is hazy. It's, as all yeah, hell. it's beautiful. And what a goddamn can, too. Yeah, that can's great. Ooh. Ooh, boys. This one's really fucking good. Hell For an IPA, yeah. I love me some hazies. Y'all know that by now. But this, it has this a little bit of subtle bitterness towards the end. But right up front, you get these beautiful, fruity, little malty touch, but just 100%. You're talking about tropical fruits, a little bit of citrus fruit action going on there. Finishes with some piney kind of, I guess, resiny almost kind of, but not the bad part of the pine resin kind of idea that we talk about. And just finishes with a nice, subtle bitterness that just kind of lingers for a little bit. It's a good one. That's the IPA that I always look for. Oh, yeah. It smells like an IPA, but it, it tastes like just a bunch of citrus, which is exactly what you want to look for in a hazy IPA. Yeah, just that fruit note just really carrying through. Super strong. Yeah, it's very hop forward, but in the best way possible. Yeah, I like that their diagram was more tropical and a little less citrus because I taste a little less of the acidity and more of just those sweet kind of bright fruit yeah, flavors exactly yeah uh that that's a good beer and for hops as well sure. bring you that that smell you know that citrusy kind of smell to it i like it all right the next one we got on our list here we got the lqd which is the uh, no, i'll let you read it because there's a lot going on so it's the creative liquids is the brand and it's there's a big lqd logo on it and it's a hard green tea and this is the passion fruit one and it's actually distributed by Ten Barrel. Oh, I did not know that. At a Bend, Oregon. So shout out to them. Hell yeah. So I love tea and I love ciders. And so this is a, a hard green tea cider. So the ABV is 5.2 and they the IBUs are unlisted as it usually is with a lot of ciders. So I'm diving in. Yeah. So I had this one originally. Uh, I was at Tappanville in Idaho Falls and they had this one on nitro, which I was like, Crazy. Anything with nitro, I was immediately just going to you know, grab a taster of. But this one blew me away. It was so good, so smooth. The flavors, you know, it's not like that it's a bitterness that you get from green tea. Not like, not like matcha, just more like that smooth, uh, just bright notes of green tea. And the passion fruit was really, really nice. Yeah, this one is, it's very passion fruit heavy. 
you do get a lot of the bitterness from the green tea, a little bit of earthiness from it, but it's it's passion fruit forward, and I really like it. Now, I'm kind of curious to see what the difference is between the nitro version that I had and the yeah, normal I, carbonation. I, I would want to taste the nitro because it's already really, really smooth. But ooh, I think ooh, the difference is that the nitro give you that creaminess. Almost. Yeah, you can definitely tell it is a cider because it's very crisp. Oh, yeah, it's like a fucking passion fruit juice. Yeah, it's just like drinking some nectar. Yeah, but then the the like lingering aftertaste is almost like what you would get from a bitter IPA, but instead of being that pine gross hop flavor, it's like that nice dry green tea. Yeah, Ugh. that that just Ugh. earthiness coming through. I the mean, I haven't, smell on this I haven't really even tasted good. my yeah. beer yet, and I'm so tempted to name beer of the show. That one is fucking good. <laughs> it's super. Yeah, you just smell really that, and refreshing. it is so fruit forward that it's intense. There's never been a beer on this show that is more described by the word crushable. I have 35 of those. Oh my God. Yeah, Damn. I mean, it's it's as good now as it was when I first tried it. I'm not saying something. The last one on our list, Gary, is another one that I've had. This one I saw just based on its name, and I was just like, nah, I mean, I, I got to order that. You've got the Oscar Blues 1050. Yep, says right on the can, the Oscar Blues 1050 Imperial Stout. This dog will hunt. Oh, that's damn. A, that's, I definitely, yeah, I definitely put the right person on the right beer here tonight. <laughs> so clocking in at ten point five percent. We got a, not a wee heavy, but a fucking heavy boy. Yeah, this is it's ten fifty, <laughs> as in it's ten point five percent. Yeah, and sixty five IBU. So we've gone from hazy IPA, juicy and tropical, to a green <laughs> to tea that's sweet IBUs. and delicious. <laughs> To a goddamn dark, that's a 50 plus SRM. That is just. Yeah, she dark. You can't get through that. She dark, she thick. That's two C's on that thick. Looks too. pretty creamy. Got some good head. Ooh, yeah, the head on that one was pretty. Yeah, yeah it was large and in charge. <laughs> Uncontrollable and brown. Um, I'm getting mostly coffee. Very, very bitter, which you would expect at 65 IBUs. It's super sweet. Uh, roasty, toasty coffee, like a tiny bit of chocolate, but just, I mean, it's 100% malt. Just smelling this? Yeah. My immediate thought is just, this is going to be a good episode, boys. Like, <laughs> we're all going to enjoy ourselves. But yeah, the the nose is roasted malts, a little bit of coffee. You get a coffee bitterness, a chocolate sweetness, some malty sweetness, and it has this kind of mouth coating. Oh, yeah. It's mouth feel that just like, it just... Wants to stay there. And no just hang discernible out for a bit. hops. You can definitely smell the alcohol on it. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's move on to the meta. What's going on, bruh? bruh? What the meta, bro? What is the meta? What are we? What are we looking at here in Pioneer? Yeah. Aside from what's been played on Mitgo, there's not really a lot of like paper tournaments, especially in our area. Like Pioneer's still pretty under wraps for the most part. Um, but I think your uh, question that you wrote here is key, right? Bad modern or better standard? We kind of talked about this already in the last episode. I think we all sort of agree that it's sort of a, a better standard. <laughs> yeah, and I think from you know just from that episode and from the release of, or I guess the announcement of Pioneer, it definitely seems to be leaning far more in that direction. Like yeah. any of the decks from modern that you would want to bring to Pioneer, like you just have these dumbed down versions that really are lacking the punch that they have in modern, whether it be because of... You've got listed here, Tarmogoyf, Primetime, Ad Nauseam, Faithless Looting, all key components of the decks that they're a part of mm-hmm. that you just don't have access And by losing those key points, the build around becomes significantly less good. Yeah, like there are cards that you can, you know, sub in for Faithless Looting, but none of them are going to have the power level that Faithless Looting does. Yeah, it was banned for a reason. And you've got another one here, Gary, and it's just Dredge. Yeah. Like, as a... Just as a concept, you can't really do that right now. Yeah, Dredge exists as a deck because of the original Ravnica set with, surprise, the keyword, Dredge. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, they didn't bring that back, you can't really, yeah, you can make a pseudo-Dredge deck, and people are trying, they're definitely pushing it. Yeah, there's definitely like that self-milled deck, and we'll see where they end up, but for now, we just don't see that as like one of the decks. And unfortunately, because new standard sets are also go into the pool for modern i doubt that they're gonna fucking push it because you're just helping that modern deck go crazy yeah that's the thing that standard helps pioneer way more than standard helps modern out at this point yeah and if they want something to impact modern it's gonna have a massive impact 
but that means that it could just pull Pioneer just straight into the dark end of just like, okay, this deck has to just be banned out immediately. Exactly, yeah. It's a, it's a very slippery slope and fine line that Wizards is walking, but I think, I think they're on the right track with yep. what they're doing. We're also running into a curious little few first months, the new aspect of this Pioneer format where cards that probably should be banned are not. So we, we started with five cards on the ban list, just those first KTK fetch lands. Right, just and then Wizards is, you know, on Mondays they've been doing their, you know, banning, but we still don't really know where the format's going to go quite yet. Yeah, but because we don't know, there's a lot of open potential to build some pretty broken shit already. And there's also the massive potential of just getting your deck completely wiped out of existence yep. with one card banning. Yeah, so I think that just, it creates a different kind of problem that people have where you're, a lot of people don't want to commit to their favorite yeah. deck because they know it's good. They want to build it because it's really good, but the fear that it might just get banned. Especially if you right have to the buy the key pieces of it. You don't yeah. want to invest your money and time because into something. You had the the four ofs way back in standard, but you sold those or traded them away a long time ago. Well, and so now you gotta get them back and the price is way, yeah. way higher. I think that's one of the reasons why the Joy or Storm deck was so just interesting for me is because I know that any of the cards that I buy there, most of them I can still play in commander it's yeah. not like i'm i'm losing out there and most of them aren't you know realistically speaking zero drop artifacts and the one drop you know uh eggs that you're putting in there yeah like they're Just not that expensive the, anyways the cheerio garbage yeah. that you're not going to use in any of the deck besides yeah. those kinds and so it's like it's not like i'm i'm losing out that much it's not like i'm investing a lot but like uh like aetherflux reservoir i can just put in a, a bunch of other decks joy herself you know slots in nicely yeah if you like if you made a phoenix deck like if you're gonna you have to commit to the phoenix and the phoenix yeah. is not really good in any of the format or like right now. some of these decks that lean so heavily on planeswalkers if you're running four ofs yeah you probably can put those into your commander decks but you spent upwards of 100 150 dollars on those four cards <laughs> yeah i think a lot of people uh, are very hesitant on the planeswalkers yeah. but yes yeah, so, we'll see yeah so we're, we're kind of at this weird point where everyone wants to dive into pioneer but People don't know how deep they want to go just yep. quite yet. Or which directions they want to go yeah. for. It. Yeah, and that's actually just a really good segue into our next section here. Um, just decks that we expect to see over the next few months. Decks that, oh, I guess the first one on our list here is the copycat comma, right? Gary, you already hinted on that one. Yep. Uh, this is a deck that we all knew was guaranteed to see some action. Uh, we all expected it to be a very high power level deck straight out of the gate. And we all expected that Felidar... Guardian was going to get banned just as yeah. it did in standard uh, in its time. Especially and since it was so powerful that it there were two different copycat combo decks. There was the three color and the four color decks that literally just <laughs> you win because this card's too fucking good. Uh, so obviously that one did see play. That one did get banned. It was the very first deck you know, quote-unquote deck to get neutered by the ban list, which well, makes I mean, sense. At the same time as the Monogreen Devotion deck. True. Yeah, I think there's a point that you have to look at. There's some red flag cards in Pioneer, and these are cards that got banned in Standard for a reason, because they sort of changed the whole meta and directed it in a way that was powerful towards them, and... These cards, I think, are what Wizards are looking at when they're doing these bans and restricted announcements every Monday because they want to see if they're just as powerful then as they are now. And Felidar Guardian is obviously one of those cards that is still as good as it was. But this also showcases how WotC has been doing bans and how they've done it in the past where there's very specific cards that they're going to ban. And it's not like, I, I think that a lot of time it's not necessarily the most obvious, but once you see the cards that they ban, it's like, oh yeah, okay. And those are the cards that are the supporting characters for the deck while simultaneously not being like the rares and mythics that everyone's like the chase cards. Yeah, I think this is a really smart way to do it because instead of just like taking the whole deck and viable strategy out the window, you're just limiting it. So it's literally not just the best thing that everyone plays. And it's just, it's making the meta a lot more viable to everybody and there's a lot more strategy and deck building going on which is i think what a lot of people want especially when diving into a new format all right so the next one on our list here uh is one that for me i definitely saw this one coming just because of the popper list that you know it's very similar to and i was talking to i think it was Corey talking about building this deck and then we 
lo and behold, found out that Sean was building this deck, which is, you yep. know, it's going to come into our, our play group one way or another. Uh, Gary, uh, why don't you highlight the Mono Black Devotion deck? So it's easy to tell why Sean was drawn to this deck because the all-star is Scary Gary, one of his yeah, that's all-time faves. Gray Merchant of Asphodel, which he just recently got an altar of a couple oh, months so ago. Good. We talked about it on the show. I think you showed it in the YouTube video. If yep. you haven't checked that out, definitely go. So tight. Um, it also features Liliana Last Hope, and it's playing cards like... <laughs> Urborg, Tomb of Yawgmoth. Um, you're just generating a ton of black mana, using that to cast low CMC, Im- high impact creatures. Flood the board. To creatures where you that can are have, high pip dense. Right. For yeah. Their you want manifest. you want two pip and three pip creatures to get your devotion as high as you can, and then throwing out your Gray Merchant of Asphodels to drain your opponent. Yeah, and there's uh, there's a heavy zombie sub yep. theme in it as well. I, I was actually asking off the show like what we thought the difference between mono black zombies and mono black devotion looked like because i think there are similar lists yeah i actually have them as separate in my opinion as two different lists just because the zombies build is a lot more aggressive whereas the mono black devotion you want your pieces to stay on the battlefield for as long as possible yeah because your high impact card is gray merchant of asphodel you need gary to have a, a huge impact and you're not you're kind of willing to trade some of your life and resources that way for having that large impact once Gary hits the board. Whereas the zombies list, you're okay with trading. You're okay with your creatures going to the graveyard because you have built-in recursion and synergies for them going to the graveyard. You're okay with like self-milling to bring them back and things like that. Whereas the devotion list, you need your permanents on the battlefield to get that effect, to have that yeah. devotion in the first place. However, with the access to both Thoughtseize and Duress, I've seen deck lists already that are just meaner than fuck this mono black deck looks like the real deal yeah thoughts is a, a very i mean it's a staple in basically all formats yep. that want to play it yep the next one is another mono devotion list one that Corey seems quite fond of yeah so this is actually the pioneer deck that i built myself and it's just mono blue devotion and it's built around thassa thassa's real good and just it's use tempest gin and Master of Waves specifically to just make a lot of just people on the board and just large flyers. There's Cloudfin Raptors and Siren Sword Tamer, a lot of disruption and just tempo sort of strategies. And then you just sideboard in a lot of just counter spells and draw spells and stuff like that. The I think the main card is Curious Obsession, just keep aggroing and drawing cards and just keep the engine going. But it's it's literally just mono blue aggro which is why i was drawn to it <laughs> yeah it seems weird but it yeah looking at especially looking at your list i mean it's brutal yeah everything cares about blue pips yeah and it's, creatures it's, on board it's got great evasion it's got some crazy scalable threats i mean it looks hella good yeah i, I think the only problem is that like we talked about running legendary creatures and thassa is just so good that yeah. i'm running four of her in the deck and just having four legends, it might mean you have a lot of dead cards in your hand, which I think was going to be the main problem with the deck. But aside least, from just mono blue well, yeah, answers, individual problems, yeah. yeah. But thing is, is that at least Thassa enables you to have that scry effect. Yeah, to Thassa, where you can put Thassa on the bottom with your exactly, other Thassa. Yeah, Thassa helps. Plus, of all the colors to be least affected by that it blew with the amount of card draw that you'll have at your disposal yeah, you're as far able as to refill the hand yeah yeah and another reason why i wanted to just build mono blue is that i didn't want to buy a bunch of shocks and check lands and fast lands fast and stuff lands. like that which they're they're a worthwhile investment for sure but i just but sure wish i just wanted to bought them a while ago yeah mm-hmm. i after the spike but i just wanted to dive in pioneer as soon as possible yeah which is why i personally in our group built a version of the next deck we're going to talk about which is another mono deck though not a devotion deck it's the (sighs) mono red burn deck and there's actually a couple different ways that i've seen people building this uh you want to tell people about it Drew? so mono red is one of my favorite just cross format decks it's It's always a staple yeah Yeah. (laughs) like i will force mono red in basically every draft that i can if i think it's going to work I always, if, it, if I'm playing like a new cube, I'm going to force mono red. <laughs> if I'm playing with you and I've not played your cube, I'm, I'm going to play mono red. Sorry, that's just going to happen. There are very few mono colors you can run and not just guarantee a success or a good time. Yeah, at least as far as like cube or yeah, just know, limited, limited environments. environments. Yeah. 
So burn shows up in basically every format, like you're saying. And uh, in a new environment like this, it's a very kind of safe pick because you know what's kind of going to happen with it. You know that the you know what the key players are, and especially for someone who's who's played it for a while, uh, you know where your like replacements are going to be. And, and you also know how to play it. It's not one of those things where you're like, oh, I hope that this new little strategy works. You you're yeah. fucking smashing face. Yeah, it's not like I'm like putting together pieces from yeah. across the history of magic and being like will these work together it's like no i'm playing this card i'm turning it sideways i'm attacking does you this do and then damage? i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna kill it you <laughs> yeah. and then i'm gonna kill you <laughs> you know it's like so what i love about this is that for me i would look and i think this is kind of the advice i've given you gary and with the deck is that i would look at the kaladesh amonkhet block uh standard environment mm-hmm. uh because you've got things like the uh soul scar mage you've got bomat courier uh but then you also get to bump up that environment with your Monastery Swift Sphere from the Cons block, so Idoline of the Great Rebel, which is just, for me, it's one of the best red cards in the existence of Magic because it is it, ha- it just has so much potential just to do so much for you. Yeah, I think Burn, out of all of the Pioneer archetypes, is one of the best to just take the best Burn cards from every set that's come out and just like, yeah, I'll run that. Yeah, I'll run that. Yeah. Instead of just like, I'll take this deck and modify it with a few cards from other sets. You can literally just take the best burn card from yeah. every set and run it. And yeah. there's always something. Exactly. Every yeah, set. There's always support for it. Yeah. yeah. And so recently, just talking about that, we've got uh, Torbrand, Thane of Redfells from Eldraine, which, I mean, that card, I mean, I want to build a commander deck around if that doesn't oh, tell you like how awesome. Fun. Yeah. Make burn and commander, it's great. But I think that he just like has the potential to bump up the mono red burn deck and just all of a sudden just you put him you land him and you just turn the clock quickly so i think that it's very compelling to play this and it also has a lot of support for the gruel and the boros version of this because boros adds that white weenie strategy you can do tokens things like that uh, a little bit of go wide and the gruel gives you riot among other things which is just a very strong also gives you that uh was it the riot card that lets your creatures have haste or riot right. which having that extra haste if you don't want to play creatures specifically because they have haste this kind of gets around that and enables that strategy or just makes your creatures bigger which i mean if you're just going to turn smash face anyways like giving them a little bit of power and toughness boost it's going to help you there and then the, the burn to back it up of course is just classic red yeah i think that might be one of the best parts about pioneers that you can literally just choose a keyword and it's like yeah i want that keyword in my deck and then just pick the cards from that set and put it in a deck you already have you established. Yeah. yeah, what's awesome is that we get prowess back. Because yeah. uh, Watsi's been phasing out prowess. Because it's instead of, good. <laughs> instead of whenever you cast a non-creature spell, they've been putting whenever you cast an instant or sorcery. And so they're very limited in what they're allowing. And so now we finally have prowess, which is, I mean, there's a reason why they're phasing it out. Yep. And now we got it back, which is awesome. <laughs> this next deck is one that I never got to experience in standard but that scares the shit out of me just via <laughs> its reputation yeah the the mid-range obs on decks specifically those that Guess were we built around back. yeah siege rhino, siege bomb, rhino. Bomb. <laughs> like siege rhino has kind of had this meta warping play around that everybody knew when ktk was if really people are bugged about oko rhino. right now go look back at when siege rhino was in standard it's literally exactly the same as far as what what it's doing to players like top fives are all fucking siege rhino decks like it's crazy i think the difference is just that Oko's way harder to remove that, well yeah, yeah that is a thing like turn three planeswalker they made a, 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 five, be- a better siege rhino <laughs> right yeah but yeah the obzon mid-range deck is really great as well because what are mid-range decks trying to do land very efficient good threats have amazing removal and the obzon deck like you're playing white black and green which per black and green gives you a abrupt decay as well as assassin trophy white always just has very good removal in and of itself like we have so many good removal good threats and also the planeswalker package that you see in mid-range decks like we're talking about elspeth chad liliana like we've got so many just and when i say chad i'm talking chad. about gideon here yep uh but we've got these planeswalkers that were very good in their own standard environments and if you're able to make them work for you in yeah. this Mid-range and I'm deck. sure there's a mid-range build that could use Garrick too. I mean, it's like it's literally just. Yeah, I don't know. If it's just can... like that mid-range deck that ramps up and can just put any fucking good threat on the board. It's yeah. If you scary. can sacrifice some of your spells to to ramp, I think Garrick has potential. But I think that Gideon and Elspeth and Lilian, just those three, the best versions of those that you mm-hmm. can play, are all going to be better. They're just going to be good enough with what they do, and you're not going to need to use Garrick because you have just 
better it's immediate just everything threats. Everything you got is good. Yeah. yeah, standard. It the best and worst part about it is that they continue to keep printing answers for problems that sort themselves out. And with Pioneer, you can just take the answers and the good cards. And especially in an Absan deck, which has access to a lot of the best answers, you can just run all of them. Yeah, you run the answers and the threats that they were built exactly. to counter. Yeah, and like in a monocolor deck, you just get the good stuff and the value stuff. But in a multicolor deck, which are harder to pull off because of the KTK fetch lands. Yeah, the banning there. Which is the reason why they banned them. They, I think they foresaw that all of the good cards could be ran in those decks, so they made them just a oh, touch yeah, harder. Dude, if the fetch lands were legal... Th- uh, this would be the best deck. It would, I think Abzan mid range or it would be three I color think, plus decks yeah, would, would just run rampant. Yeah, I think because with the be- devotion decks and the mono red decks, they have a very linear specific way to win. Whereas these mid range decks can pivot on a fucking dime. Yeah, well, just that's, start that's the advantage of threats. what mid range is. In yeah, like yeah, we covered it in our archetypes episode. The reason why mid range is just so good is because it can play the aggro strategy if it needs to. If it needs to get under you know control deck specifically, but it can also just play that control line if you're playing against an aggro deck. Like it has the flexibility to really be a house on itself. Yeah, I think just having access to all the Ravnica blocks alone just helps multicolor strategies so much. You mean Shocklands are okay? Yeah. <laughs> so the next deck we got is an all-star, and it's it's just, is it Phoenix? I'm sure all of you heard about it. It's just, <laughs> it's it ran rampant. It yeah. finally got dethroned just not too long ago, and now it's back. <laughs> I will say, it was a a pretty cool deck and it's oh, yeah, inception it's like it's a really fun deck I, it's weird that you're so excited to just throw your threat into the bin and then bring it back just so yeah, I, the fact that they haven't banned treasure cruise <laughs> yeah okay yeah seeing the treasure <laughs> and cruise just breaks a second and makes it just the top spot in the meta uh the one that i kind of find interesting here is the one that garyan uh was initially looking at building which is the i want to build it now deck. yeah i want i still want to build it because Abzan Rally seems like such a fun combo deck for the meta that we're walking into. I don't think people are prepared to deal with it, but I also don't know if there aren't enough tools to make it work quick enough to win. I think that a lot of people are going to be running Graph Digger's Cage in their sideboard, and so this would be just hose you. But anyway, the the Abzan Rally deck is built around Rally of the Ancestors, which allows you to pull creature cards from your bin onto the battlefield. Uh, and then you exile them, but you usually don't care about that because you're playing this kind of pseudo-aristocrats style with this self-mill. Yeah. And so you're just trying to dump as much as you can from your library into your graveyard, bring them back with Rally of the Ancestors, and then hopefully you've milled aristocrats' pieces. Uh, you've got like Cartel Aristocrat, Cruel Celebrant, Zulaport Cutthroat, and with all of those together, you just sacrifice a bunch of your creatures, you drain your opponents, ping them, whatever, you just go to town. Yeah, this is the exact opposite build from Abzan mid-range because you're not trying to land threats. You're not trying to protect anything. You're just milling and trying to play, rally, and combo off in one turn. That's really why I pivoted away from it is because I knew that if people were playing efficient enough decks to land threats, if this couldn't win on turn five reliably, it was never going to win because it doesn't land good threats and it doesn't have removal it's just focusing on this combo. Yeah, you know? and that's kind of one of the problems with a deck like this is that the more answers you put in, the worse your deck is going to be. Like, your deck is yeah. so yeah. self-involved that you can't afford Wasting to have... Wasting a turn to remove someone else's threat just yeah. prolongs yeah. Especially your in a self-mill deck where you might just self-mill all of your yeah. answers away and you're just like, well, yeah. <laughs> I, can't. Really I literally up. can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, and the other big problem, just if we're going to talk about it on this deck, is just that playing against any sort of life gain or stacks yeah. strategy where yeah. your creatures are tapped or you know can't activate their abilities, just your opponent starts to gain life. Like You're basically trying to count to 20 as fast as you can yeah. with this combo, and that's usually the limitation of your deck. Like This kind of reminds me of, of Storm in a way where you have to get to you know your, your threshold of this is where my opponent dies and then answer that. Uh, but if you can't, then you're in mighty big trouble. Hoosed fully, well and truly. All right, Gary, you got a, a small list of just potential bands. These are just some kind of cards off the top of our heads that we think just might be on the chopping block. We have no evidence. We just think these cards might be just too good for right now. Yeah, I think... <laughs> or cards the, that we don't want to play the against. evidence so far is just what they've banned already, which is tools that make 
a very specific build to Overpowered. So it basically, they're cards that encourage people to only play certain decks, either this deck or the deck that can beat this deck. Yeah. And it just limits the format too much. And I think they're trying to get away from that. Um, the big ones that came to me just as we were writing this episode, like we said earlier, Treasure Cruise yep. is too fucking good. There's too many decks that could <laughs> it's, just it's use it too It's a fair and balanced magic card unless it's in the right deck and right. then it's OP as hell. Incredible. <laughs> Um, another one that I think, I mean, honestly, if it's not banned already in the coming weeks, I would be extremely surprised. And that's Teferi Time Reveler. That's the three mana Teferi. Extremely good in these Daxi kind of control decks. Um, Mox Amber seems to be one that people are worried about. I don't know that it has the same likelihood of some of these other cards. I think the fact that Urza isn't around, it yeah. bumps the power level of Mox Amber down a lot, but Mox Amber is still, still a really, really good Mox, card. Yeah, the thing is that Mox Amber has one of the highest floors of where it needs to be to be good. Yeah. But then once it's good, it's, it's exceptional. There's a reason it has the Mox name. Yeah. <laughs> like, the only reason why I, I could see it getting banned for whatever reason is if the deck that I, I prefer, the, the Joyra Storm deck, yeah. just for some reason takes over, but I don't really see that coming yet, and I don't really know what other deck wants to play that card. There might be like a... Because Emery decks use it a lot for a turn one Emery, but it's... Yeah, I could see playing I, that with Emery. I don't know if those decks are good enough right now. Uh, there's a deck that I'll, I'll talk about later that I'm excited about, and we'll see where that goes, yeah. but it's... It's kind of one of those things that like I played around with in the past, and it's like, oh man, this is fun, but you know, it, it's not great. And it's like maybe with Emery, it starts to get just a little bit yeah, better. And I, if that little bit of kick is enough, yeah, to push I think it. Emery helps out a lot of decks. I don't think she breaks a lot of decks, which yeah. I think is okay. Uh, next, you've got Nexus of Fate, which I don't see them banning, uh, just because it existed for so long. Seven drop, and, yeah, which it existed for so long in standard, and yeah, it definitely was the boogeyman of standard. Playing the Nexus to Fairy deck, yeah, sucked. It took so long for them to win, yep. but. Again, it, like Corey said, seven mana for an extra turn spell is a lot. Granted, it is instant speed, and it does shuffle back in your library, so you can theoretically just go infinite yeah, with just it. keep going. But it, I don't know. I just think that if the meta gets to that point, then there's other decks that should have popped up that for some reason haven't, and I think yeah. that there's room for... I mean, like, I would love to just play the the new mono-red burn deck into that. Like, absolutely. Like, you go ahead, take whatever you want. Like, you just t be as slow as you want. I'm just going to kill you on, like, turn five because you're not putting down answers. Well, and I think that deck, like you were saying, is dependent on Teferi. And I think banning the enablers of Nexus makes Nexus way worse, especially at its mana cost. And so it may be a, a Sahili Felidar Guardian type of thing where Sahili is really fucking good, but it's not impossible to beat without Felidar, right? Um, another one we've got is Aetherworks Marvel. Um, yeah, so uh, I see some bands. Yeah, so, so I think another uh, another powerful deck people are looking at right now is Aetherworks Marvel Emrakul decks right yeah. now, which, which is, is just a, a scary, <laughs> scary yeah, it, thing to say. It sounds <laughs> awful to have to play. To against. just cheat out an Emrakul, boom, done. But I, yeah, I think that's just another card. Cards that you can cheat out, 13 drops and just high power level cards like that, I think, are just cards that wizards would look at and be like, you know, I, I think this might have to go just yeah. to tone it down a bit. And yeah. you would never ban a 13 drop because it alone is like, you're never going to fucking play it. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody cares. Emrakul is awesome and dope. Yeah, but I mean, I think the other like fear of that kind of deck is like just Nulamog. Like, but again, like yeah. you're talking about these massive Eldrazi's that cost so much that on their own are not likely to actually get them out. Yeah, yep. and so this is this is kind of the Felidar Guardian approach where you don't ban the pieces that are scary, you just ban the thing that makes it so everything works. The enabler. Actually, with the Golos deck that was just in standard, you might have room oh, there between the <laughs> Golos, Eldrazi's. Eldrazi. <laughs> I think yep. you could. I mean, yeah. You have five, five color Eldrazi. Um, the next one we got on here to Terence's chagrin is Prime Speaker Vanifar, which... Obviously is a less good birthing pod, but I think what people are worried about is what can come out in the next sets that will make this more and more broken. I think that Wizards is very acutely aware that Prime Speaker Vanifar is a bad Vanif or a bad birthing pod, and they are very cautious as to what 
they're going to print with it in standard, especially. I think after it rotates out, maybe we might see some stuff that's a little more spicy. But I think in general, they know that they printed birthing pod creature. Yeah. Well, I think that's why they're worried about getting banned is that eventually wizards might want more freedom to do more with what they're printing, but they can't because this monster <laughs> exists in the format. And they know that giving it the right tools will make it Yeah, it's kind of gross. weird to yeah. have the idea that this is fair pod, but yeah. it really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those cards. It's, it's As soon as it hits the board, you're like, yeah, okay, next game. Yeah, but <laughs> let's, I think let's go. Because it... I mean, we haven't seen it take over standard. Like, if yeah. it, I think that if it was going to make a massive impact, it already would have. And with, especially with Oko now being so prime, like all of a sudden you can start your one drop just by getting rid of an elk or something like that. Like, I think that we should have seen something come of Vanifar if, if she was going to, but I do, just, I don't think she's going to make that I impact. So. I don't, don't want to ever play against Vanifar. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I don't like Vanifar. <laughs> the next one on this list is Rally the Ancestors. We talked about that already. I um, don't think this has any threat of getting banned. No, I, don't think I think so the deck either. has to be good enough before it ever becomes a threat. But it is one of those pieces that was extremely scary in modern where it's alone a combo piece that can really wreck the format. It's one of I those just cards don't think that it has, has potential, yeah. but there's no precedence for it. It just doesn't have the tools yet. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's radar. also just a late game combo where you have to do a lot of steps yeah. instead of just win on turn four, Felidar Guardian combo yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So one of the cards I put on here is just approach of the second sun. And that was I, a fucking boogeyman. It was it was the boogeyman. Sure. Like I, the few stints that I have in standard, one of them was during approach, and I was like, yeah, this is why I don't play standard. Yeah, approach, it, I just played so miserable. Just, play it was it literally was miserable. Like I would sit down, I was like, I can't do anything. I'm just gonna sit here until you draw some more cards and end the game. Yeah. And so this isn't. This is less of a. This card's really good and needs to go. It's just like, I don't want to play against this card anymore. It's unfun to be a part of the game. It's unfun to watch that game. Yeah. Because I, I don't see him banning it. I, I don't see where this deck really Only if it has becomes extremely popular. But it's got to, I mean, it's really got to fucking start to top eight everything. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't see them taking a stance against it. I just, I hope it doesn't come back. Just because it's not fun. I just think that Blue White, Esper, they just have better tools to yeah, like I, play a more consistent game I than agree. relying on approach. Yeah. Uh, Corey, you have, I think, what I, my favorite thing I've seen on this list so far <laughs> is that you are suggesting something a little bit different. Yeah. So, Wizards of the Coast on these Monday announcements, they've been treating them as banned and restricted announcements. And I think that is an important note because a lot of people are just like, oh, they're going to ban. The new card, all oh, the band Felidar Garmin, all oh, the band Oko, just all that stuff. I think restricting cards, especially in this new fa- format, would help the longevity of it is a lot. Because maybe if you could only play one of these busted cards, that, so maybe one time you get your cool combo off, or if just one time you do that awesome thing and you win the game, I think that's a lot more balanced and fair for everyone as opposed to just saying, hey, you just can't play this card anymore. Right. Do the kind of like uh, the vintage as the legacy, where vintage yeah. you have your restricted list, but in legacy they're actually banned. I, I understand bannings, and I understand where they're coming from. I just think restricting more. I think you could restrict a card to either one ofs or two ofs as a just a, a precautionary measure, and then if it does, if it's still, if it's yeah. still the boogeyman, then you'd be like, no, nope, it's got to go. Yeah, see, so I really like that. I like, like that too. From a Watsy standpoint and a player standpoint because yeah, it feels a lot better when you say, oh God, my favorite. Yeah, I just bought four of this card and I yeah. can't use it. I can it, still but... use it, but now I know that I should be looking at something else to build because it's on that list that I know it's potentially a band too well, yeah, instead it of it just showing to, up. Like have Watsy, you know, come in, slap the card out of your hand. You're not allowed to play that versus just like, you can play hey, it, hey. but this card's good. <laughs> it's very good and, you know, we need to restrict the, the power level of that deck that it's integrated with. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I hope going forward, they have a lot more restricted announcements and less, not necessarily less ban announcement, but just they look more at the meta as a whole yeah. as to what they're doing. I think they picked a good spot to start pioneer. So I don't think there's going to be as many bans as maybe people fear, but because it's brand new and they haven't really banned a whole lot yet, there are going to be bans for a little while. Yeah. I think, I think they might neuter some of the, just the top tier decks yeah. just, at the beginning just to get the format going so it's not like oh yeah we're just playing against 
is it Phoenix and Super Friends again? Like, yeah, okay. So I think they're going to try and push that a lot more, but I really have no idea. Well, I've kind of gone on a little bit longer than we normally do before taking a break here, but let's dive back in to these beers we've got. Honestly, I think we got a bunch of winners here. These oh, yeah, are, all these beers are really, really good. good. Yeah. Corey, I am so impressed with you. You have maintained some composure and control by I not destroying that I am thing. sipping this as mildly as I can, even though it's one of the most delicious ciders I've ever had. Yeah, you literally pushed it away from yourself for like 15 minutes <laughs> while we were talking and just like kept on like kind of reaching up to, and then you're like, no, oh, don't oh wait, touch no, it, don't, don't touch it. Gotta chill, gotta chill. Yeah, so I had the Creative Liquids, um, hard green tea, passion fruit cider. Which is from... Ten barrel. It's from Ten Barrel, which, which mean, is dope. we all know we yeah, love we all, Ten Barrel. Yeah, Ten Barrel is great, and it's still so damn good. It's so refreshing and crisp. Gimme, gimme. Give give you get a little bit of that earthiness just from the green tea flavors, God, but just smelling you it just is just so like, much. I want a the candle fruit. made of this, and I don't yeah. like candles. Like, give me like that air fresh. This is what I want my car to smell like. Yeah, I love passion fruit, and just. It's hard to get good passion fruit tasting things. I agree. It's really artificial and garbage. Yeah. But this, they really capture it really well. Like, this is kind of reminiscent of the cider, or not the cider, rather, but the sour that Sean and I had years ago yeah, from I, Zion's. I wish and I, we have been hunting that thing. And I, I think I this is probably the closest thing we'll ever get again. Yeah. It's just so damn Dude, good. Dude, that is it's so, so refreshing. Good. And it's clean and crisp, and it's, yeah, it's and like, not dry but it has like a dry finish because the green tea is just like cleansing like it's yeah so easy and you to can drink. see from the all the pours we did earlier there's no head yeah it's there's just no carbonation really no it's carbonation smooth. it's so smooth all right gary and you have dude i would and, totally drink like so many in complete beers. contrast to what i got you have the darkest beer Ten <laughs> we <fitty. have. laughs> we've got the oscar blues brewing 1050 imperial stout this dog will hunt I got to say it every time. That's part of the name. <laughs> that is a great slogan. It's um, just weird. Like, I didn't realize that that was on the can, but like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I've had this. And this is a Garyan beer for sure. Dude, it's so dark. Like, even pouring it, when you can see when it's thinner and the light shines through it, it just looks like molasses. It's just black. And, uh, you know, the old test that we have is like, it's like, how, how dark is it? You know, hold it up to the light. light. Can you see the light? You can. No. no. <laughs> like, you could, like, yeah, I think the scale goes to 50 on the SRM and that. Seems like a 50. <laughs> it's a 50. Um, just malt, sweet, dark, bitter coffee, kind of roasty, toasty, delicious. I mean, it's hard to go from the green tea to that. But it's not the worst yeah, contrast. That is my problem. Ugh, it's delicious. Like, it is It is very good. It is roasty, toasty, malty. I was going to say, this is genuinely going to be a hard episode because if we were doing three Imperial Stouts, that one could definitely be the top one. If we were doing three Ciders, yours would definitely be, the, the LQD would be the top one. And this hazy IPA that you've got could potentially be one of the top hazy IPAs I've had. For but sure. But to put all three of them together is going to be difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, we got an eclectic menu Ugh. right now. <laughs> yeah, so I'm rocking the Rogue Ales Bat Scratch. Uh, which is just fun to say every single time. Uh, again, as Gary said, it's a hazy IPA, the India Pale Ale. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, it's got this wonderful star that Rogue does telling you what to expect out of the beer. We've got the maximum tropical side. We've got mostly there on the citrus, a little bit of pine, a little bit of bitter, and just a touch of that malt. Yeah, it's got everything that you really are looking for in a hazy IPA because you want a lot of IPA bitterness and flavor but then you want some citrus and just you need, contrast yeah, you, just exactly. to mellow it you out. You need that smooth quality that the tropical and citrus flavors bring and that really enables the IPA really to to work without just being super bitter. And that's exactly what this does. It brings the the fruit forward flavors and also that wonderful aromatic hops without having that harsh bitterness that you normally get out yeah, of hops. Yeah, it's not a double IPA where you're just getting mouthfuls of this like resinous kind of hop flavor is, and the fruit is tro like it said tropical fruit it's not super tart fruit but just sweet refreshing and then it's got that citrus vibe to it which is really yeah. nice the yeah. smell is fantastic it's the most approachable way to get in IPAs as always For yeah. sure. keep saying that all right if we had to name beer, beer of the, the show, show three, three two, two one, one. Green tea. Green tea, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, it's so good, dude. Yeah. Um, it's, also, 180 it's, calories. 
Ooh, Ooh, there you go. It's super sweet, but without being too sweet. It's just that refreshing kind yeah. of sweet. It's it a, is it's like got to be that green tea edition. That like drinking some green tea with some honey and some passion fruit. All right, guys. Yeah. So we've talked about the decks that we are very certain are going to show up in some form in Pioneer. But do we think there are going to be any sleeper decks? Some decks that sort of come from outside of their standard rotation things that aren't necessarily just like a revamped standard deck something that can be combined from this new pool of cards so the thing i put down here was dredge's dredge which i think is an interesting one because dredge isn't a mechanic that you can use in pioneer and as we talked about with the rally deck the self mill strategies really aren't quite there there's not quite yeah, enough the, support the rally really deck would be incredible if we had dredge oh yeah <laughs> and so i think just the all the support we got from guilds and just the ravnica blocks over the days i think just golgari is just a really strong block in general and so you can sort of fuel this graveyard deck. You can't get it up to dredge levels, obviously, but I think yeah. a dredge deck will always be viable, and I think that could just be a sleeper hit, as you're saying, Gary, and just, yeah, I definitely just think creep up on people. Something that can be done there. Yeah, I'm not sure what the deck list would look like or what it would be, and I'm sure it would change as soon as the, the next set came out because Golgari graveyard shenanigans is always something people love and mess around with. Yeah, I don't think there's really any sleeper decks out there that I think will actually come to fruition. I mean, the dredgeless dredge, it's a fun idea. Yeah. But it just doesn't have the power level right now to be good enough. Yeah, I think there has to be some, like we talked about, restrictions and bannings and tone down the already most powerful decks and to give... Yeah, if you do all just of Just access to these other decks. And before that happens, I don't think any of these decks could happen, but who knows? That's yeah. the best part about this. For sure. Uh, the ones that I have on my list, we've got Death and Taxes, which I think Mono White Death and Taxes would be pretty good. And for those of you who don't know, uh, it's like low drop creatures that tax your opponents in some way. Like the original Thalia was a really good example yeah. because she made non-creature spells cost one extra. Asshole. Yeah, she's, she's rough. But the new Thalia, I think, just slots in immediately as well. Uh, she makes all of your opponent's creatures and non-creature permanents and lands come into have something like that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but there's a lot of like the stuff that came from Kaladesh as well. We can slot in there. Uh, but I think the what's cool is that the new Death and Taxes can slot in a couple of the Eldrazi. There's one that like bounces stuff to give you extra ETBs or to get rid the of the Eldrazi Displacer. Yeah, yep. and then there's another Super one good. that also is pretty good in the Death and Taxes. Um, I think that the Hardened Scales deck, I talked about it last episode, I think. Yeah. Uh, but basically, Walking Ballista, Hangerback Walker... Uh, hardened scales. Throwing yeah, dude, I was convinced that Walking Ballista was not in this uh, format. I was like, oh, thank God we don't have to deal with that because I was looking at the symbol and I was like, wait. Oh, no. no. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, I think Steel Overseer. Oh, yeah, that was the other card that I, I talked th about. There's a couple really good artifact, just yeah, synergy, synergy cards. Yeah. yeah, like the plus one, plus one counters are very strong, plus just the very good cards like Hangerback Walker and uh, Walking Ballista. And then you also tie in the fact that we're playing black green because we're going to play winding constrictor. So we already have access to a prep decay and assassin's trophy, yep. as well as like fatal push and things like that. Like the deck has so much potential for it. Um, talk about, you know, using assassin's trophy and a prep decay. I think oh, that here Soul we go, control, guys. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be really good. I mean, I basically was looking at black blue and I was like, yeah, but what if we added these two cards? <laughs> what do you have some of the best removal yeah. spells? <laughs> Dude, it turns I out. If I wasn't so scared to drop $400 on a deck in Pioneer, this would be Soltai the one I would build. Yeah, yeah for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. That'd be such a You fun have deck. everything in this deck. <laughs> yeah. And if you throw you know, the green out and replace it for white, which I don't think you have any reason to do right now, but Esper Control is usually pretty good. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of pieces throughout Pioneer that you can slot in decently well. I think there's probably an optimized version of it at this point, but I think that Esper Control just has potential. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but Mono Black Zombies, I think there should be a build out there that is good enough to compete. Um, whether or not it's going to be like the top deck, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, Gravecrawler's back. Like, you should be able to do some stupid stuff yeah, with Gravecrawler. Grave <laughs> Relentless Dead. Yeah. I mean, Liliana, Liliana, or Liliana. Liliana. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. Sorry. Uh, I had to think for a second. Um, but the decks that I would like to play with, and I don't think they're going to be good enough, yeah. strictly speaking. <laughs> Uh, we've got 
aristocrats. Uh, specifically, I'm looking more at the Mardu side. I mean, you could do some some Jun shenanigans, and I think it would be fun, but it would be less powerful just because of the specific cards. Um, but we've got like Mayhem Devils, Judith, obviously, Zulaport Cutthroat, just great, Cartel Aristocrat, uh, Grim Initiate, which I think a lot of people are like, wait, Grim Initiate? But it's a perfect card for the Aristocrats. It's a one drop that replaces itself when it dies. You get two creatures for one mana, and that's exactly what Aristocrats want. Plus, I'll just have First Strike randomly, which is cool. Yeah, I think Aristocrats is uh, just an archetype that has gotten a lot better over the over time. Just getting like a couple pieces every set or one yeah, every set sure. or something like that. Um, the next one is one that I, I, I talked about again. Uh, the Artifact Storm using Joyra, Aetherflux Reservoir, uh, Paradoxal Outcome with Mox Amber, Tormod's Crypt, Ornithopter. Like we have three different zero drops that you're not really sacrificing anything to play. And that's yeah, like the best part. They're all ones that people want to play either in their main or sideboard already. And if that can just work <laughs> to make your deck at that, if zoom, cantrips, yeah. indoor, just value yeah one then, yeah absolutely uh we've got white black tokens which i ran a super janky deck with uh hidden stockpile anointed procession <laughs> <Yeah>. and anointed <laughs> priest and i had one game where I, I got like 200 life off of it and it was just ridiculous but basically you're just making tokens gaining life off of them building out a massive board swinging out i mean recklessly if you want go ahead uh and it's a really fun synergistic deck and i think that there's enough token support proliferate uh, if you want to like throw in like the counters for things like that, or but you have all of these like token strategies that I think you could culminate into one deck, and I think you'd be just fine there. And the one that I think has the most potential, but we'll see what happens, is the Emery Insult Artifact deck, where basically again you're using like uh, Bomat Courier. I think it's probably going to end up as an Is it deck, not a mono blue, which is what I initially thought. But because of Bomat Courier specifically, I think you want to yeah. slot in red. Um, but you got Bomat Courier, Ornithopter, any like one drop fast artifact creature that you can use. Uh, Ginger Brute would probably be great in this deck. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then you use Insole Artifact, which is one in a blue, and you just make your artifact 5-5. Uh, five, five. And so Ornithopter on turn one with Ginger Brute, then you make one of them a 5-5. Five, five. Like you're putting them on a clock that's ridiculous. Gross. Right? Like imagine doing eight damage before turn three. <laughs> Be tight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's 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 my list. I think that, I don't know if any of them will really get up there in power level. I think that a couple of them have potential. I think Sultai Control to me, and I love Sultai, so maybe that's just biased. But it I just has so many fucking tools that no matter how the meta shifts through bands it's or gonna be through cards, sure. it's going to always be in these tournaments. Whether or not it will top eight all the time, I don't know. But it's always going to be... A viable deck to play. I it, it feels very similar to the uh, antithesis of the Obzon mid-range kind of to me. Yeah. Yep. Is that it's, yeah. It's going to be there. It's going to be reliable. Answer dense for I sure. think that's a, a good sign for Pioneers that you can make good decks and yep. you can play them all the time. They might not be the best, but you can still play them. And it, it's, I think it makes it really hard to sideboard. But I think that's, like I guess, jumping into the last section here, just talking about our final thoughts on Pioneer, yeah. is that... That is one of the things that makes Pioneer really awesome right now. Yeah, I think the it's fact just that a fresh... It's not solved. It's so fresh. It's yeah. just like, hey, you want to play this thing? It might not work, but you can give it a try and maybe have a chance. Yeah, maybe this weird deck that you just threw together out of your two favorite decks is just going to be awesome. Especially locally. Like, at the yeah. top levels, we're going to see difference than oh, yeah, your I think it's own card shop. Coalesce into one kind of group of decks. Yeah, I think eventually the meta will be solved, like we like to say, but... Right now, it's sort of up in the air, and hopefully the announcements and them Wizards keeping an eye on it will sort of shake that up. But right now, I, I think we're on the track to just dive into just super standard, as we like to say. But right now, it's just a free-for-all, kind of. <laughs> so, Corey, let's start with you. What are your overall impressions of, of Pioneer thus far? And do you have any predictions moving forward? So, impressions, I'm a huge fan of it. it I think it's kind of weird to just be like announcing this out of nowhere and just sort of shaking everything up. Like it shook the secondhand market up. I think it, it we talked about in the last episode, they dropped legacy tournaments for this format. They're yeah, changing a already. lot, a lot yeah. of things. And we also on the last episode, we talked about how some of the formats that have been around for a while, they haven't supported like they have, or they should have been. And Pioneer out of the get-go, they're supporting way more than usual. So they're really pushing it. So I think it has a really good chance to succeed and stick around. And 
I'm not really a standard or a modern guy, but I have a, a Pioneer deck, so I think that's just a sign. Just that, for our local playgroup. Yeah, that I'm I'm interested, and it's just a, a different way to play because I like playing limited and drafting and cubing and just those one-on-ones and just fast. You never kind of know what you're going to get because my problem with modern and standard is that the meta is solved, and if you're not playing the best deck, then you're just getting stomped. And right now, at, at least at the beginnings of Pioneer, the format isn't really solved. It's just you can just throw together a good deck and go and have some fun. So I think right now Pioneer is in a really good spot. I'm not sure how far down the road it's going to stay there. But I, I hope that Wizards is going to be on top of the ban and restricted announcements and we'll keep it... certainly find out in the next you, few And months. keep it fun for everyone. And I understand that a lot of powerful cards are going to get banned and that's just how it goes. So you got to sort of be careful which decks you make right now. At least as far as cost is concerned. You mean. Yeah, but I, I think that Pioneer's here to stay and it's going to be a, a fun and awesome format. What about you, G? Yeah, I agree. I'm pretty optimistic. I mean, this will probably be the last episode we do on Pioneer specifically unless some crazy in, in stuff comes future. up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll touch up on bands throughout our episodes if something, you know, comes out that is exciting. But to me, it just seems like it's going to be... I mean, it's just, it's going to succeed. It just feels like Watsi has its entire might. You know, if other formats die in the wake of it, be damned. They don't care. So I think it's here to stay. And I think it looks like a fun format. And uh, I don't know, man, I'm excited to build within it. I I think there probably are other sleeper decks that we don't know about that at least in local metas will like stumble across it and be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, damn, that's pretty good. So I think at least for now, like... I think there might be like some silver bullets but i think that they're going to be few and far between yeah but i just think it's so wide open that people can build the way they want to and still have fun and and not get 05 you know yeah. so i think it's i think it's a good thing for us magic players i'm stoked as you would say and yourself i think i'm most excited that new formats are going to have an impact on pioneer more than what they have on any other format besides standard, obviously. Because you look at modern and it's like modern we're looking at like the best cards for the best yeah. decks. And if they don't have that, then it's just kinda like, eh, do they have any cool reprints for other formats? Yeah. Yeah, you just sort of comb through it's like, ah, uh, nah. Yeah. I'm good. And so I think that it's exciting to have a format where new sets really do actually matter. Like Commander, obviously, like we're always we're always keen on whatever the new legends are, right? Yeah. And like that's obviously directed at us as commander players. And that's because it's not soft. You yeah. can do whatever you want. Yeah. You can still be yeah, powerful. Yeah, and like yeah, we just we I think we talked about it earlier. We just got Torbrand, which makes Burn good. Yeah, which is like Burn has never been good yeah. in EDH. <laughs> yeah. Now it's finally yeah. good. Yeah, Burn is a meme. But <laughs> yeah, it's just I think that Pioneer opens up a lot of potential. And I, I know I've said this over and over again for the past three episodes, but that's the word that Pioneer represents exactly. to me is potential because we don't know exactly where things are going to go. And it, it Pioneer's going to get soft. Like, you can get over yourself if you think it's not. Yeah. But but right now. Right now, it it's fresh. It's new. People are excited about, which means that we are going to get, like, new, crazy, weird deck lists that just pop out of nowhere. These rogue deck lists that could take down a tournament that are absolutely shit otherwise. But like, <laughs> Exactly, yeah. It's just people are going to have fun with it. And I think that's super important because people look at modern. And it's like, oh, I need to build. Is it Phoenix? I need to build Dredge. I need to build Prime you know, Time. Prime Time. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I, the, they have these very specific decks that they're looking at, you know. And like when I got into modern, it was like, oh, I get to play Storm, and people were like, you know, Storm's not really that good in modern right now. I'm just like, fuck you, I'm playing Storm. Yeah, I was like, I don't care. This is a mechanic <laughs> I never really got to play with, so I'm finally gonna get to play with it. Or like the Aristocrats deck, it's just like. I get to play with Innistrad cards, which is what I was super excited about because like, I got into Magic after Innistrad. And yeah, I was like, this is one of the, my favorite sets that I play with in Commander. Like, I'm so excited to play with this strategy that's built around this set. And so I think that Pioneer represents a lot of that kind of uh, golden-eyed youth. You know, like you're just so excited about the potential that you can get out of it. And I think that that's what I'm most excited about. And I, I don't know what to expect from the future, really, aside from the fact that Eventually, it's going to get solved. I just wish it didn't come at the cost of other formats. And yeah, yeah, I agree. Fuck you, Legacy. Yeah, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Man, I wish I could play that's, Legacy. That's coming from a like poor Legacy kid, would yeah. be super fun. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. It has to be fun. <laughs> or it's yeah. just the least fun, and that's why no one wants to get into it. I, I think overall, especially in our play group, but just in the community, 
like the outlook is positive. I think this is going to be a cool format. It's a fun format, especially right now. People are excited to play it and get in there and build. Yeah. If you're thinking about getting into Pioneer, do it now. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. Like, I, find I, a cheap deck that you can play that you're confident with or just find, you know, your play group and like get your friends into it so you have someone to play with because now is the best time to get into a format right at the beginning of it before it's solved, before all of the decks like are figured out and where the, the spikes on the card list are going up. Like, yeah, they've already spiked, but a lot of it's starting to come down. Like figure out where you want to play, how you want to play, and just go for it now. So we like what it. I want is for you guys out there listening to drop us the comments on Instagram, Twitter, definitely YouTube. Like let us see your build. If you're a deck stacks guy or a tapped out guy, send us your link to your builds. We love looking through cards and builds. Uh, I mean, we do a lot of research for the show, just, you know, kind of like a job, but we really do like to sit around and look at fucking yeah, cool ass decks. That's the one thing that's a lot, <laughs> the most fun about magic is just looking at cards. Yeah, that's why we started the podcast. We're like, we're doing all of these things already. Let's do this, you know? And so Garen, you, you missed out Facebook, but we got some fans on there as well. That's true. Facebook as well. Yeah. Shoot us up. Just any of your decks, shoot them on any of our, you know, platforms because yeah. um, we love we love to see them and if you think you have a sleeper deck definitely send it to oh, us yeah, prove we, me wrong see. yeah but i mean i think that covers it i think this is going to be an exciting format and we're all looking forward to it so let's see what the future holds eh yeah as we always say on this podcast have fun but not too much <laughs> <laughs>